It's the SDG Podcast. Before we get started, you can check us out on the web at solutiondesign.com slash podcast or find us on all the social medias, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Solution Design Group. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome. Joining us today, we got Brian Cofield because we're going to talk about gardening and he's grown things in his basement. Nothing bad. Before that, though, let's uh, meet the podcasters. Go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Peter Lawrence. And I'm Kyle Bacher. Um, and I don't have a garden, but I'm interested in doing some gardening. So today we're going to talk about gardening. And really, I want to be able to make really good BLTs this fall. So my first focus is on tomatoes. And uh, Brian, you mentioned that you have grown tomatoes in your basement using nothing more than a light bulb. <laughs> um, so how did you get started doing that? And how did you get all that set up? So it was one of those things I was, uh, I had had a, my previous garden was pretty small. It wasn't raised. Uh, so it was pretty weedy, you know, and um, I didn't like to really grow in it. And sometimes, since I'm lazy and I don't weed a ton, um, my plants weren't doing as well as they should. So uh, I thought I wanted to learn about hydroponics. And so I brought in, I grew from seed a couple of tomato plants in a little space in my basement. Um, so don't have to deal with any sort of other weeds creeping up that you have to pull all the time. Um, it was actually pretty simple. You, um, there's a number of ways you could do it, I guess, but, uh, the most important part is you got to have lights, obviously. Um, yeah. What do you want to know? And not just lamps, not just, not just living room lamps or anything like that. Right. You gotta, gotta get a grow bulb or a grow light. Right. Yeah. So in the, in the, at the time I was doing it, it was probably like six, seven years ago. Um, the LED grow lights were still pretty spendy. Um, yeah. And you get the, the like, I think they're called like T1 lights or something where there's uh, noble gas in them and they take a lot of energy, but they do really well. But what was readily available at the time were those uh, mercury bulbs that have, uh, they're like curly, you know, and they fit into a regular socket. Um, yeah. and put off the daylight ones, put off a certain spectrum and the, uh, like the, the blue ones and then the yellow ones put off another kind of spectrum. So depending on the, the stage in the plant's life cycle, you swap out various bulbs. Mm. Um, so when it's growing really fast, you want like the daylight to get a lot of the stuff that it needs to just grow leaves. And then when you want to encourage fruiting, then you kind of switch over to those, um, like old intent old incandescent color, but it's still the, you know, curly mercury, mercury bulbs. Still uh, CFLs. Yeah. That along with the kind of fertilizer you feed it will, um, induce or encourage the fruiting flowering. And you did this with hydroponics. So that's some kind of fluid. Yeah. It's a, it's just water. And the way I did it was the deep water method. So you get, uh, like a five gallon bucket and you can get these things on Amazon that there's like a cap for the five gallon bucket. It's like a black cap and it has a kind of a planter bowl inside with just slats. Uh, and you can put some uh, clay pellets in there. So once your seedlings are old enough to 
be in that bigger size and the roots are hanging down. You put it in there with the clay pellets and the roots hang down into that water uh, and the water is aerated so they don't uh, attract fungus and grow disease and whatever because the roots need oxygen too. Um, but the roots just hang in the water and they get all the nutrients that they need from the supplements that you add to the water, uh, which there's like uh, three main components in fertilizers like nitrogen and a couple of other things, potassium. So to aerate, do you have one of those bubbler things? Yeah, like it's like a fish, fish tank. tank. Fish tank bubbler, yeah. Oh, I love that sound. Uh, <laughs> so, you, so you mentioned clay pellets, like, so is it, is it surrounding it as though it were dirt, but they're made of clay and kind of keep their form? Or is it like just to get the seed started, a little bit of dirt? Uh, to get the seed started, you do, it kind of looks like insulation. They're like um, a cube of insulation and you put the seed in there and it'll start growing its roots through it. And that provides enough of uh, stability for it to not like fall over. Hmm. And then you put that in the clay pellets, which provides even more stability because these things are going to, you know, grow up and get heavy and start like leaning over and stuff. So you need it stable. The clay pellets and that initial seeding medium provide the stability. And then you you probably have to do additional stability on top of that, like some strings to hold up things like tomatoes get really heavy. So mostly mostly you're just fighting gravity. And if it wasn't for gravity, this would be just fine the way it was right yeah like at a certain point <clears throat> you could probably do like a string with a pulley and a counterweight so that it keeps as it grows it keeps pulling up on it it doesn't get slack how much weight for a tomato plant i don't know they figure you do an heirloom tomatoes they they get big yeah that's yeah. what you want right they're your nice tomatoes for your blts yeah, I got one tomato <clears throat> from somebody and last year and uh, it was big and I think I used it for like, I don't know, eight BLTs. I just sliced it real thin. Yeah. And then I was like, I got to grow my own tomatoes because <laughs> like I just can't get this isn't the old days when everybody would give away tomatoes because they had way too many. So you'd go outside and there'd be a sack of tomatoes on your doorstep from some anonymous to tomato donor. <laughs> Those days are gone. So Well, they're coming yeah. back, I think. I hope so. People like so, Brian getting out there um, and growing. Do you think there's any difference in flavor or anything between doing the hydroponic method versus dirt soil not that i noticed <laughs> I okay mean, did you do both in uh, the basement it, or wherever well, the only difference is that the ones outside were like not going very well because i'm a very lazy gardener so with the, yeah. with the water all you have to do is change out the bucket of water every week and put um whatever ratio of fertilizers is recommended for the stage of life of the plant. And then you kind of don't have to think about it for another week, maybe check on it occasionally, but it was pretty easy. So the fruits actually turned out better inside than outside. So you found okay. you had to change the water every week? Yeah, if you don't change it. So the plant will consume water. And then as it does, uh, the roots will be more out of the air, which is not good for the, or out of the water, which is not great for the roots. Uh, but then it'll also get kind of stagnant or um, like the fertilizer will be out of balance. Like it'll use one 
part of the fertilizer more than it uses the other. So sure. it's just practice to like change it out every week to make sure you're got the right food in it for the plant. Yeah, cool. So do you have to keep adding nutrients then? Do you like use a water mix whenever you top it off? Or do you actually change out all the water? I actually change it out. Yep. I just have an empty five gallon bucket next to it, pull the plant and the roots out, set it in there for a little bit, dump out the old water, put in new water plus um, fertilizers, and then put the roots and plant back in the bucket. Um, but there's other methods too that are like more automated and easier. Uh, I just did this because I wasn't doing a big operation or anything. Uh, right. Simple. Um, but you could <laughs> you weren't you weren't growing enough tomatoes to give some to Kyle at that point, right? Not at that point, I was eating all the BLTs myself. Uh, <laughs> right. But I my buddy has this kind of cool thing. He grows all sorts of stuff, like from leafies to peppers and all this sort of stuff. But what he does is um, it's like this rack of PVC pipes that's kind of on an angle, and he has a pump, and the pump pumps that fertilized solution at the top end of the PVC. And it just goes all the way through and the roots grow in the PVC pipe. Uh, and then he, there's holes along the PVC pipe that he puts his little, you know, cups in with the clay pellets. Uh, and that's kind of a cool setup because then you can have, um, I don't know, 40, 50 plants, depending on your setup and only have one common reservoir for the sure. water. You don't have to change. You got three tomato plants. You could change all three five gallon buckets, kind of a pain. So, right. But do they use the same mix of nutrients then? I I thought you'd get like down in micro land and just like, oh, for tomatoes, I need this much phosphorus versus my iceberg lettuce, I need that much. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And you sacrifice some of that specificity if you're going with general, general um, a bunch of different plants. Can you do dirt indoors or do you have to do hydroponic for some reason? Yeah, no, I do dirt as well. I got a bunch of my seedlings are all started in dirt indoors under some LED. I got the LED lamps now because they're super cheap. I got like six, six. Um, they're maybe like two foot long, a piece LED grow lights for okay. like I don't know eighty bucks or something on Amazon. So I got a bunch of those, and some racks, uh, and then just a whole bunch of little yogurt cups with seedlings growing in them until Memorial Day when I can set them out. In the actual nice. garden. <clears throat> is that is that the the time of year for Minnesota? Yeah. Memorial Day is probably a pretty safe one. Yeah. End of end of May, you probably won't get a frost overnight. No guarantees. <laughs> I so, I know there's probably still a record of late later frost than that, but not not too much. Is if you I'm gonna start calling it soil because if I call it dirt, I don't want any hardcore like people upset at me for saying dirt. I don't know if there's a difference. Soil, if you're using soil, is it easier? Like you don't have to change the soil and I'm guessing you're just watering you still the have plants to, a lot. You still have to feed it. I mean, it's not such a big deal in seedling form when you're kind of starting, they don't need much food. Just the like potter's mix or whatever you get from the store will have enough food in it for the plants to be fine for seedlings. But then when you actually do want to grow them and you do put them outside, now I have raised beds and so it's a little bit easier. Um, you do still need to feed. Um, so you put manure and if you want to do like the fish, the organic fish fertilizer or there's um, like normal fertilizers that's manufactured as well, but they do need food. 
Yeah, because they can start not performing as well, not growing as well unless you feed them. And you can get like some kind of liquid fertilizer, mix it with the water and just keep watering it with that and that'll sustain it. Yeah, and that's like once a once a couple of weeks or once a month, you would want to mix that up in the appropriate quantities according to the instructions. And uh, it would be just diluted fertilizer mix with water that you'd hand water every every so often. That would be enough to keep them fed. And then just normal water when you're not feeding them. Can so, you um, can you transfer? Like, I suppose you could transfer from dirt to hydroponic, but going from hydroponic to dirt might be trickier. I have to think about that. I'm not sure. I've never done it. Why would you? I don't know. I'm creating problems that don't exist. Yeah, I probably <laughs> wouldn't. Yeah, because you're going to damage the roots in either case. Either you have to knock the dirt off of them and destroy some structure, or you put them in the dirt and destroy some structure. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe don't. Probably not a good idea. Um, so you said you have a raised bed now, is that out? That's outside. Yeah. Um, like what are you growing out there? Well, this year I'm just growing some simple stuff. Like, I don't know, there's some gourds, squashes and cantaloupes and watermelons. And then, um, a bunch of leafy lettuces. I think I'm going to keep those inside because those are easier to do inside. They don't get so big. Uh, tomatoes, obviously those are going outside cause they get big. Um, gosh, what else? The kids chose some things too. I don't remember what they chose. Any herbs and and spices or anything like that? Herbs are all inside. Yeah, for okay. sure. Because tubers, are... potatoes, anything I like that. Spuds. I have gotten them to do well. I that reminds me. I think the kids chose radish for some reason. So we'll see how that goes. Because <laughs> it looks cool. They don't. They just don't taste it as much as they have in the as we know. Like, oh, well, it looks cool, but it's horrible, or it's a nice garnish, but not a. I wouldn't want to eat just garden radish constantly. But who knows? Maybe they'll grow to love it. Herbs are really nice for hydroponics too, and you can get it really simple because um, so those same starter things that look kind of like the insulation cube, um, these. You take a clipping, let's say off a basil plant or something, clip clip it off. And you know, normally you'd like start that in a little shot glass of water until the roots show up. No, you gotta tell us that kind of stuff too, because <laughs> Kyle and I are Please. like we're we're you know, we're experts, but for the the other people out there that aren't gardening like us. Fair. All right. You can not an expert. Um but my stepmother had a garden, a big garden. And so I would have to weed and I'd have to pick the beans and the um, pea pods, all that stuff. So I'd, I'd have to help. But uh, I didn't really get any gardening knowledge from it. I just got like a hatred of of digging in the dirt. I'm hoping that's gone away now. But weeding because it was yeah, always weeding. like a chore. Like here, do this physical labor, get on your knees, pick the weeds, and don't complain about it because no, because we're all doing it and no one cares. So, right. um, which I think is a great attitude to have. You just got to do it. Like that's <laughs> all you can <laughs> do. With it out. Yeah, I'll be complaining to the air. Uh, you get a gardener's privilege. It's kind of like chef 
chef's privilege. So you get the sugar snap peas and you just get to eat them right there in the garden and the strawberries oh, and whatever. They're so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to eat the raw beans and the, the pea pods. Um, I would go out there and harvest my own on the sly uh, just so I'd have some to snack on. But that, like, I got, you know, that idea out of my head. That was too healthy um, <laughs> to really continue. So, no, right. I'm interested. I want to in go back yeah. to rooting, rooting, rooting basil. Uh, yeah, so, so okay. basil is really a really nice one to start with because it's pretty forgiving, uh, and there's tons of it. You can just you buy a basil plant from the store and uh, you clip a few clippings, and you can have four basil plants if you want. So uh, you read up on this, look online where to cut it, but there's uh, there's like these nodes where the leaves come out and the stem goes, and there's a specific place you got to cut it. Look it up, cut it there, and you can put it like in a shot glass of water. Uh, and then that stem will start growing roots in like a week. And okay. you can either transplant that little start before the root gets too big uh, into a dirt, a little dirt plant, and that'll just keep going. You'll get a whole nother basil plant. Uh, sure. Or those are really nice for hydroponics and pretty simple. Uh, you can take just like a like a Gatorade bottle or some like plastic bottle, or it doesn't matter what material, some <laughs> bottle and like suspend that plant above it so that the roots are touching the water yeah. and then um, just keep filling that with water and feeding doesn't really matter too much because you're going to churn through basil and you can just buy another plant later if you want or take another clipping and start a new one so interesting that's cool so um <clears throat> did you hook up any uh raspberry pi devices uh to like monitor the water level or the pH or whatever you can do with it. <laughs> I, I know you did that with your beer brewing. So I'm like, how far did he go with this? Yeah. Yeah. There's some things that you might want to monitor. pH is one of them for the water. Um, humidity of the air, because uh, for tomatoes, you, they care about that sometimes. Um, so they might get a dehumidifier and a humidifier and put that in your tent or whatever you're growing it in and hook that up to a pie and turn on on or off. Okay. Um, I suppose you could go as crazy as like modifying the water contents, but I think that requires specialized sensors. Temp and humidity is a pretty cheap sensor to get though. So that's an easy one, low hanging fruit. Yeah, I wonder if you could do some kind of a like method where it just constantly like has a stream of fresh water and fertilizer mix going into the the buckets and then there's a steady stream like draining water from the buckets so you get those equalized and then it's you never have to go and empty it out and put it back in it just takes care of itself i'm trying to not have to do anything <laughs> like i can do a bunch of stuff up front to set it up but once i set it up it's like if I have to, like, oh, every week, go change the water and, yeah. So, Kyle, Kyle, you're looking for the plant once and harvest once model. I guess of, I'm looking for a sack of tomatoes to show up on my, that's what I really <laughs> want. <laughs> I would no, say. No, it's, it's interesting because it's like, you know, what can you, what can you do um, kind of to save money? Um, and. I think learning to garden 
is one of those things because yeah you have all those setup costs and there's a lot of work up front but once you get i think in the groove and you're doing it every year it can't be that difficult um it's just if it's outside it's weeding um so i would say for you uh, the least amount of uh effort and i'm a lazy gardener as well um, if you have the space and a place that has decent sunlight, uh, get a raised bed. They're not too expensive to construct. Um, that'll keep the weeds down a lot. Also, um, uh, do like the weed guard tarps around the whole the whole garden before you plant, and then just cut holes around where you want to plant your plant. So then you're not weeding the whole garden. You're only pulling out little weeds around the plants that you want. And then automated watering is pretty simple too. Um, you can turn on and off a valve on a switch or something if you want, uh, and then it'll automate water. You could go full Raspberry Pi if you wanted to. A lot of lawn sprinklers have, have that water on off fairly well worked out, right? So it's it's not like you're breaking new ground for that. Right, and then all you would have to do is remember to feed them every month, which is pretty low maintenance. Yeah, I... Um... The, some people down the street have a raised bed garden in their front yard, which I don't see much of that, but like all my sunlight hits the front yard. My backyard is covered by a canopy of trees. Um, so I was thinking of doing something similar and their setup's pretty cool because they have like a, a pathway right down the middle and then like two gardens on either side that they can access from their little path and then it's raised up and it's got the i was i should really just go talk to them and <laughs> like do you have the plans for this do you have the the list of materials yes did you save the receipts for all the stuff you purchased do, do, do you get too many tomatoes at the end of the year and are you looking to get rid of some because i know a guy how much to just come and build this for me or can i just have this <laughs> And how hard is it to move? Um, yeah, they seem to do pretty well. And I think that I could do that same thing out front. Um, and it, I think it looks fine. I don't think it really would, you know, like upset the city or anything like that. But no, and I, we've got more than a handful of neighbors in my neighborhood that have that have gone that route, either with, you know, raised beds that are, you know, four by eight or something like that a neighbor across the street has gone gone big he cut down a bunch of trees cut down a bunch of hedges and stuff so that he'd have a space and now he's i think he's got 40 foot by 10 or 15 foot garden now with with a fence around it for the uh the <laughs> squirrels and bunnies that that come in well and deer too in the neighborhood always like to feast on things like hostas and stuff that's the other thing you might want to consider some netting around it or fencing um because those critters really like it rabbits and squirrels and deer they love all that stuff especially when they're fruiting uh yeah the animals love fruit another thing that um i just remembered so outside is easier for those plants with the big fruits like tomatoes that stand up uh, because you have wind outside and the wind creates micro fractures in the stock. It's like lifting weights for plants. And so they become stronger um, mm. when they heal themselves. It's like breaking down their muscle and rebuilding it bigger. Um, but when you're, if you're trying to do those 
larger fruiting plants inside. Um, they don't have the natural wind, so you, you should consider um, putting a fan on in there so that they can strengthen up so that they're not just going to break off their branches under the weight of their own fruit. Interesting. That's that's a something you don't normally consider like, oh, yeah, we need some wind for the tomatoes to be toughen up. Nice little and then fan. does that like do you have to then um, adjust your watering? Does that dehydrate the plants having the wind? Not noticeably, since most of the water is contained underneath. It, I mean, probably does some non-zero extent, but I didn't really notice a big difference. Do you need to like get one of those spray bottles and like spritz the plant, like any <laughs> of that stuff? No, all the water it needs are carried through the roots up through um, the plant. So yeah, and actually water on the leaves um, does encourage disease and fungus and stuff like that. The water really, it really wants the water to be in the roots and in the plant and not on the plant. Yeah, I don't want to encourage fungus. No, no fungus <laughs> encouragement. Unless you're growing, unless you're going to start a mushroom farm. I want fungus to fail. Yeah, but there's no uh, BLTM, so uh, you could do. Um, so mine, I was lucky. My, I forgot to change the water for a few weeks towards the end because I was kind of getting sick of it, and it started <laughs> to get some disease and fungus. But the fruits were. And were ripe enough such that I could harvest them before the whole plant went. I was just kind of lucky in that regard, but yeah. So even even indoors, it's it's not like set it and forget it or or carefree, right? There's always a little bit of maintenance to be in, to to do to keep everything healthy and growing. Yeah, you want to check on them and you want to check on your light height because if it's too high, it's not going to get enough light down on the plant. And then as the plants grow, if it gets too close to the light, it'll scorch the leaves mm. and that's not good either. So you want to adjust the lights occasionally as well. So I have a low ceiling in my basement. I think it's a seven foot ceiling. Is that going to be too low? How tall do tomatoes get like three foot? Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd be fine. Yeah. Okay. You're talking a few inches at least, not like several feet away to keep them from burning. Yeah, I would say maybe a foot. Okay. Yeah, I should be fine then. Unless they just go nuts. Um, they get too big. <laughs> yeah. Seven foot tall good. tomato plants would be a little I just, shock. I'd have to get a larger loaf of bread for the BLTs. <laughs> Texas toast. Bigger bacon, yeah. When they get larger, you're not going to just want one light directly above. You're going to want a couple from the sides because there's a bunch of leaves on the side as well. And you don't want the top leaves to block the bottom leaves. So you shuffle them around a little bit. So is this a like a weekly thing where you're doing stuff every week? Um, I would check on them a couple times a week for the indoor variety. And then, uh, yeah, the the work is actually like once a week. And then, um, like, is there, like, during the life cycle of the plant, like, do you check more up front? Should you be more worried about, like, the water and the pH and all that up front? Or does that kind of just stay consistent through the whole project? The longer the plants go, the more likely they are to contract some sort of disease or pest. Um, so more vigilance towards the end is probably better. 
Uh, but that's okay. the point where you naturally want to be lazy because you're done with it. So it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then uh, like they're not perennials, right? I mean, they're no. not going to. Yeah, you got to do it every year. Yeah, you can take the seeds and dry them out and plant them again next year or just roll them right into new cups. Because if you're doing it inside, it doesn't matter what kind of year to type of year time of the year it is. There you go. How about oh, I corn? suppose. Anybody do <laughs> corn hydroponically? No, seriously. I like, is it just, it's not a thing. It's too hard. I have no idea about that. I've never tried. They get tall. So I, that's why I didn't do it. Okay. I think there's enough corn happening already. Uh, <laughs> fields of corn everywhere. You get enough sweet corn on the side of the road. No, I was thinking sweet corn for eating, not for, uh, not for, uh, Field corn for animals. Ah, that's that's the next stage of the farming, the indoor <laughs> farming. Get the animals. Well, I I know in St. Louis Park you can have chickens. Um, you can have laying hens, and make your own eggs. That's another. <laughs> I'm good. guessing those are is there hydroponic chickens. <laughs> <laughs> that's another great source of nutrients for your garden is uh, chicken manure going to have a whole ecosystem. Um, so is, is this expensive to do? Like, is it worth it? Name your price. I mean, you want to go full crazy setup. It's going to be a little bit of money, but if you want to put some stuff in dirt and put it out in a raised garden bed, uh, I mean, the raised garden bed will probably be the most you're going to spend, but once you have it, you kind of have it and then just make sure it's healthy. And then at harvest time, when you are gathering it all up, like, what do you do with all of it? You're not going to just eat it all at once and stuff's going to go bad. So do you can it? Are you doing any of that kind of stuff to preserve it? I love cooking uh, all sorts of different things. And um, so, yes, all of the above. So you, you can, you can dry um you can so there's scraps and stuff from like onions and garlic and whatever that you would like ah oh, you don't was this going to trash is it going to compost well you can instead of doing that you can also um just throw it into a pot of water all your onion scraps and garlic scraps and the bones from the meat that you eat throw it in a pot of water and boil that for a few hours and then you have vegetables slash beef slash chicken broth mm, yeah. and season it up with some salt and pepper or if you want to go like like Asian style and maybe like five, put some anise and fish sauce. Um, you can go whatever direction you want, but that's a good way to like not waste vegetables if you're not going to compost them. Yeah, composting is a challenge, that's for sure. I don't know if I'm ready for all this. <laughs> you don't have to go that far. I, I take it a little bit extreme. I'm just going to, I need to find people that are growing tomatoes and uh, forge good relationships. <laughs> so, so Brian, would you say is, is the raised beds the starting point of gardening or is the five gallon bucket tomatoes the starting point of gardening? If, if you want if, to get out dirt cheap entry level, just put it in the dirt and make sure you're feeding the dirt. Um, but yeah, that's going to be more work. See, weeding. Yeah, if you if you're really interested in it, raised beds would be a good start. Hydroponics is something of an like uh, I don't know. It's really interesting to do and learn about. But 
unless you're just doing like herbs and stuff, I probably wouldn't start out there. So, so that's not like the easy way to grow tomatoes. That's the more challenging way. You get better tomatoes or maybe some easy, easier times of it, but. You have to learn about fertilizer ratios and stuff and changing them and all of that kind of stuff with hydroponics. So it's, it's more learning curve up front. Hmm. I don't know. I, I'm looking for the, I'm looking for the easy solution here, and guess it's guess it's raised beds is the way to go for for the start. Anyway, I think I'll convert because I got a flower bed like in front of my house, like on either side of my steps. I've got flower beds. Um, they used to be weed beds, buckthorn, and trees, and everything <laughs> else. Um, but I like got rid of all that and put plants in, but I think I could do a raised, like right there, do us like on just one side, start my raised garden there with just tomatoes and some herbs, maybe some lettuce. I don't know how much, how much space does each plant need? I was gonna say, so like uh, if you got some like hanging planters, that's perfect for lettuces and herbs and small things like that because the root system won't get crazy big. Um, I wouldn't do a tomato and a hanging. The root systems get quite large. It will fill a five gallon bucket hydroponic. Really? Yeah, because uh, and they're kind of suicidal too. One of my plants tried to kill itself because um, the roots went all the way down to the bottom where the bubbler was and they started to get greedy. Like I need more air. And it ended up clogging the bubbler, which w started, you know, killing the plant. Right. So, I mean, the root, all that to say is the root systems are large on some of these plants. But in a hanging basket, yeah, tons of, I don't know, herbs and lettuces and kales. Sure. Can you there, do iceberg no lettuce? lettuce? Iceberg lettuce, like a regular head of lettuce. I've never tried that. I don't know how big the root system gets. Maybe. Because I have, I have, like, I'm against leaf lettuce <laughs> as a rule. <laughs> like, what's this on my hamburger? This one leaf of wilted lettuce. Why? I want a pile of iceberg lettuce. I want crunchy. Send all your email to. <laughs> Maybe put that in the raised bed, too. I didn't realize kinda, the tomato yeah. tomato root systems got so so dramatic. I I don't know that I've like gone gone very far with it, but um, yeah, it's it's weird. You don't even realize it because I mean it's all under the dirt and you can't see it. Right. So I could do a raised bed, but I wouldn't need to fill it all with soil. I could do like pots within that raised bed you could just to, yeah so that's a good point too and if you do a raised bed you may not want to fill it all with soil anyway because uh soil costs more for one and you don't need that much soil the roots aren't gonna typically go down more than i don't know three feet two feet something like that i forget what it is but so what you can do is you can put like mulch uh shredded up wood chips in the bottom of the raised bed as filler and then put good planting dirt on top of that a good amount of good planting dirt so what that'll do is over time 
uh, that will break down and I'll, that'll encourage the ecosystem of uh, microbes, good fungus, uh, bugs, worms um, to be attracted to your raised bed. And that's what you want to keep a good, healthy soil. And then you're not just, you know, spending all your money at Home Depot for, you know, five yards of dirt. Yeah. Um, let me. So when you're talking raised beds, are you you talking like just a foot or are you talking like three feet off the ground? A couple. How, how, Couple, couple feet, yeah. Okay, and so does two it just... feet up for um, if you went all all soil, like two feet up to plant in that, um, or like a two foot high bucket that's surrounded by mulch. Like the plant starts two feet off the ground. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Let me ask this question: Is it easier? to keep weed free because it's two feet off the ground and magically the seeds don't climb up there? Or is it just easier to weed and so therefore you'd weed more often? It's it's both, but mainly it's the grass. The okay. um, When you're mowing your lawn and maybe there's a couple seeds in there, depending on you know how lazy you are when you last mow, mowed your lawn, that'll kick over to ground level beds really easy. And then so you're pulling grass out of there as well. Okay. Sure. Uh, but raised beds, you don't have to do that. But then also, yes, it's a good point. You're not bending over quite so far with the raised beds to actually pull any weeds that come. And then is that um, also good for keeping critters out? Like the bad critters? Like what What get like rabbits? Oh, uh, squirrels can get anywhere. But um, <laughs> I think like a, a little fence, little netting. Like it doesn't have to be crazy chain link or anything, but like uh, just put a light fence up, maybe four foot high or something. And most critters don't want to go go in there. Yeah, but yeah. Two two feet's not enough to keep a rabbit at bay. I don't think. No, they can hop. They, they hop. <laughs> they hop really high. Yep. And so two two feet, and then and then a a cage like a fence, and then a net. Um over the top and then that should keep all the critters out. I don't even have a net over the top of mine. Mine is probably a six foot high. Uh, so then it doesn't, I don't feel like I need a top. Uh, but what I have is two raised beds side by side and there's a gate in the middle of them and you can walk down the aisle and close the gate behind you if you want, if you oh, want. Just like my neighbors. Was that a kit or was that did you go online and look at all the stuff you needed? Um, how did you figure that out? I purchased I purchased a new house and it was there. <laughs> nice. Uh, time to move, Kyle. That's I that's the only way to do it. <laughs> I'm sure you could find some kit. I know they sell um, raised bed kits. I know they sell that much at least. Okay. Um, you can either order them online or I'm sure they have it at your local uh, big box. But they're pretty small for the kits, really. They're not they're not doing real garden sized gardens. They're more like little four foot by four foot plots, from what I remember. That might be good for me to start out with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you gotta start somewhere, right? Yeah. And I just want to make BLTs. I mean, that's really what this is all about, is really good all tomatoes. All about sandwich. I just I just don't get that same flavor from a store-bought tomato. Nope. They're not more, bred for that. More garden is more work, so. Yeah, that's true. 
Have you guys seen the robot weeders that that have been slowly permeating the the earth? I've seen a couple of variations to various degrees of success. Because there was there the I, I'm thinking of two, right? There was one that was sort of a CNC weeder that you set up rails aside along your garden and it would go and pluck out weeds. Um, you told it where the plants were and it would just destroy everything around it. And then I was just looking that there was sort of a Roomba looking weeder that kind of crawls around your garden and, and just digs around and does stuff, I guess. But you I saw a yard drone type thing. It was a tank that mows, fertilizes, weeds, seeds. It just patrols your yard and somehow it just knows what it has to do, I guess. Time to mow? Yeah. Zoom? So that was kind of cool, but you wonder, like, yeah, if that's going to go haywire, end up in your neighbor's yard. <laughs> <laughs> I mowed your yard for you. Yeah, that I got to post something like a lost dog poster, like <laughs> lost my lawn care drone. Anybody sees yeah. a mower but all the all the yards in the entire neighborhood look fantastic <laughs> so this is this is um no grow may is that is that what's happening right now people are no, are, mow, no mow no, no mow, mow may don't right. mow your yard in may right why pollinators ah so okay. basically you, you what you're trying to do is let the the insects that are pollinators sort of get a better start than they would have normally otherwise if you're if you're going to go out and you know do insect insecticides or you know mow mow down the grass that kind of cuts down on their uh, ability to get around and stuff I guess so just helping out the pollinators is what is what the theory is. Um, I'm not sure that I'm going to make the end of May with my no mo May, but I have made it to the 20th so far. Yeah, my uh, my yard guy hasn't gotten back to me. <laughs> <laughs> so inadvertently, I'll probably have a no mo May, but right. yeah, I might just wait till the city complains. <laughs> when it's like three feet high, when it's gone to seed. Yeah, I, d I haven't actually like, determined what that time limit is to know whether that's a good practice or not. Like if you get under the warning before they mow it for you, it's probably okay. But well, I think more people are doing like natural yards where they don't do grass. They just let a lot of stuff grow and they might do like a pathway through there and some landscaping. So it doesn't look like it's just neglect. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know what the, like, if there's any codes or anything, because um, that would be easier to maintain. If the idea is not to maintain it, I'm on board. I can do that. I can do nothing. Um, You've got that in you? Yeah. I feel like now, this weekend, I'm going to be uh, doing some pricing, looking for kits, and uh, seeing what's out there. So... Yeah, and just waiting still... for bread. See, I'll go to homemade bread next. 
and then and make sure I got the iceberg lettuce and then the bacon. Um, I might still get that. I don't know if I'll do my own bacon. It's easy. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Try to make the ultimate BLT. We'll have to check in in the fall. Yeah. Did you do it? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brian. I feel like I've been uh, schooled now. I've been enlightened. Knowledge up. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we'll uh, we'll call it. Unless you have any parting thoughts, we'll just say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Solution Design Group is a digital product consultancy in Minneapolis. Check us out on the web at solutiondesign.com or look for us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Solution Design Group.